<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Hey guys, this is Dave Barnes. And this is John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome daddy. On today's episode, we talk with the very, very talented and our good friend Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin is a world-famous worship leader, singer-songwriter. All around. All all around talented, good-looking man. Yeah. I I think this episode is by far, like, the most we laughed in an episode. Oh, my gosh. Which was kind of, I mean, I know Chris pretty well, and he, Chris is really fun and funny. But it was a wonderful sort of surprise for all of us. We just got to cackling on this. Laughing the entire time. So so strap up, folks. This is a good, this is a good time. And hopefully, you know, it's a side of Chris that that you don't really, because his songs are so wonderful but tend to be, you know, pretty He doesn't serious. laugh a lot in his recordings. <laughs> Anymore. Anymore. <laughs> so without further ado, enjoy your time in Dadville. Dadville. That's why we've got all the words that we need. We do, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Chris, I hope you're buckled up for what I'm about to say. You're right probably going to be uncomfortable for just a minute, but... Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. It's your fault. You have literally caused all these things. Yeah, you. This is you. It's this your fault that you've done either. all this stuff. So you have to sit. If you hadn't been for four minutes and listen to yeah. all your achievements. Okay, so so um, here at Dadville, welcome to Dadville. Here we are. We're um, ladies and dads. Yeah, it's just uh, we've added to our population today with uh, Mr. Chris Tomlin, and I'm just going to read this because this is and in English too. Uh, <laughs> So here oh, we go. versions in English? You might, mine is, yeah. Go you ahead. have a good time. I'll translate. So, okay, here we go. Chris Tomlin is one of the most heralded singer-songwriters in the world who has amassed an impressive body of work, and I would add has an impressive body. 
He has sold. That's, that's never been said. <laughs> that, the well, first time it's here ever we are. been said. That's what I, I, that's, I want this to be we'll that correct. Place. We'll get on Wikipedia and correct that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's worded wrong. Well, that's not there. Uh, <laughs> he has sold more than 8 million albums, 11.3 million digital tracks with 16 number one singles. Uh, Chris is only one of four artists to receive the Sound Exchange Digital Radio Award for over one billion, billion. that's with a B, digital Capital radio B. streams. Others include Justin Timberlake, Pitbull, and Garth Brooks. Not a bad class of people to be with. The <laughs> Grammy you, winners. Can we, can we stop there? Could yes. you imagine, would that tour be awesome? Oh, right? my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine Timberlake, Garth, Pitbull. And Pitbull. <laughs> And then we all do. How great is our God? At the end? It, feel, it feels like you know what that feels like. That feels like the Earth. Aliens have come, and they're like, "We're gonna destroy the Earth." And the globe comes together and goes, "We need to send an emissary, yeah, to do to teach them what our music is." Right. That is can the I, poor people. Can I just make a, just one little note on that little award? I, what, I, I cannot wait for whoever the fifth guy that gets that award. Oh is. my gosh! Because they're gonna be like, "I'm in the company of Justin Timberlake." <laughs> Garth Brooks, Pitbull, not sure who the fourth guy is, and me. <laughs> Whatever. Go, go ahead. That's Whatever. Uh, the Grammy winners list of music awards include American Music Award, three Billboard Music Awards, 21 Dove Awards. I call that an aviary, by the way. When you get to that many Dove Awards, you've just started an aviary. A BMI Song of the Award and more. Chris's concert tours have sold out venues in major cities, including New York's Madison Square Garden, the Forum in L.A., Nashville's Bridgestone Arena, and Red Rocks in Denver, among others. This spring, which I think is really cool, uh, Chris launched his own imprint label, Boyer and Bow, in partnership with Capital Christian Music Group. This is something, now this is maybe the most amazing thing about this. <laughs> he was also pronounced the most sung songwriter in the world in 2013. I mean, why is that not a tattoo? <laughs> I feel like we, we need to have a moment of silence. I agree. Can you just say that one more time? Yeah, and I'm going to say it and then let's just pause. 20 minutes of silence. Okay. <laughs> and it's not going to be 21 minutes. For like, every, hey, one for every double Let's word. don't edit it. Let's have it real no, time. No. Can we no. yeah. real time? Okay, I'm going to say it again because he was also pronounced the most sung songwriter in the world. That is not Tennessee. That's not the U.S. That's the Philippines because that's an easy cheat, isn't it? <laughs> In 2000, that's insanity. That is amazing. How do, like, so when I, what, how do you feel when you think about that? that? That I don't even know how to think about that. You know, it's it's a crazy thing. And what I what I love to say, what I think about it, what I love to say about it, it it speaks to the the power. It speaks to the power of the church to me. Mm. That's what it speaks to me. I love that because I would be someone that would, would not be my name would not be a household name like. Like those other three I mentioned earlier, or like, or or someone who would, he would think would be the largest, have the most songs sung in the world. But it, but I love it that it speaks to the power of the songs of the church and how there's nothing like it on the earth. You know, pop music only goes so far. Mm. Country music only yeah, goes so far. That's a great far. way to say that. Country music only goes so far. Mm. Hip hop only goes so far. I mean, they, they those have massive reaches. But when you're talking about the songs of the church, there's mm. not a place on the earth where there's not a church, you know. And there's everywhere there's dirt. There's somebody. There's people gathering to worship God, mm. and that my songs have been a part of that in people's lives. I would have never dreamed that. I mean, I come from nothing, small town, Texas. I would have never dreamed that I could be a part of that. But I've always had it from a, from a kid. I've always had a heart to 
for some reason, I feel like God wired me that way is to write songs that people would sing. I remember as a young kid, I'd sing at church in my church. It was this really small little church and I would sing and play. And I would always tell my mom when I'd go home, I was like, mom, I really, that was fun today. I really liked it when people sang. I like when I, I don't like it when I'm just sitting there and I'm singing mm. and everybody's listening. Wow. I liked mm. it. And so looking back, that's weird that that was I was like, wow, I could see even then God was wiring me that way. I was like, I wanted people to sing with yeah. me. And so I just started trying to write songs that way that would be real easy for people to sing. And it speaks to the power of uh, of God in that, too, because I don't think there's a there's not a marketing plan where you set out. You don't. No one sets out a marketing plan and goes, you know what? I think I want to have my song sung the most in the world. That's the marketing <laughs> plan. Yeah, right. You know? Right. And that is just like that. That's an amazing thing that, that God would do. Mm-hmm. And... So it, it's always humbling when people say that and whatever that means. But I love it because it represents it represents the, the music of faith, the music of the church, yeah. the music that is something that is so different. And it goes beyond radio. It yeah. goes beyond. Yeah. It doesn't need radio. Yeah. It doesn't need a marketing plan. It doesn't need all, all those things. As songwriters sitting in the room, like that piques a lot of interest for me because I'm like it's pinging all these like bells in my brain but maybe the most significant one is like when when you think about what you do as a as a writer of these songs that are so prolific and so sung i mean do you think i mean when you sit down to write yeah i mean how do you do that because like what's the grid that it has to go through for you like do you bring in your family as your test group and like (laughs) sing back what daddy just said can you sing yeah exactly but i mean you know what i mean like what does that look like to do that, like, how does your brain? It's a great work question, that? and I do. I think I do have a different grid than than a lot mm-hmm. of people have. And unapologetic. Do you mean you've just always had that different grid? Yes. Or are you required to have a different grid? No, I, I've yeah. always had it, and I've, yeah. I consider what I, I take a great responsibility that I feel like what my gifting is and what I wanted to do is to really write songs that are accessible to people. And so I've never sat down to think, you know what? I don't care if people like this or not. This is just what I feel, and this is what I'm just getting it out. And yeah. that's not me. I really care if this can mm. be sung, if this is something. So it has to go through. The, it goes through that. And you don't achieve it all the time, but I just I feel like I have this little, I guess, my finger to the wind, which way the wind's blowing of like, I think of the church. I think of the average person. I think of the person who's sitting there, and they're, they're going to their jobs every day, and they're not thinking. They don't think about music every day. They're not thinking about what melodies and what key it's in and all those kind of things. They're just thinking when I go to church, maybe I just barely made it there mm. and I just want something I can sing. What's what's something I can sing that people who don't think about music all the time, can I give them something that has a, gives them a voice to sing? And so sometimes I think of it like this. Is it something that people can sing and, and versus, is it singable? Is it simple? Is it a melody that anybody can pick up? Mm. Is it something that people want to sing? So is it, hopefully is it relative to the time? And then is it something that people need to sing? And those are the three things that I think about a lot. For example, when I heard the song, I didn't write it. When I heard the song, Good, Good Father, mm. I was like, I instantly, that's something that people need to sing. And I and I want to be a mouthpiece for that song wow. because that's something that's going to really bring healing to a lot of people mm. and those kind of things. So I think about the people. I think about the, the congregations. I think about the audience. I think about how will this translate to people when I'm writing songs. And it, it's mm. always in me. And so I, I scrap so many things because I think, gosh, it doesn't feel very congregational to me, mm. but that's what I love. That's how I'm wired, mm. and that's what I love to do. There's nothing I, what brings me the greatest, greatest joy in life is those moments when I am with the people leading a song, 
and singing a song and you just it just connects and mm. they it's like people have no clue I'm on the stage yeah and they're just worshiping their hearts out to God I'm like okay this is what I'm most gifted to do this is when I feel mm-hmm. the most alive you know it's and like, oddly enough exactly what Pitbull has said in so many <laughs> when he for, was, that was word for word when was he was here say, last yeah. week this, yeah. that's yeah. exactly yeah. He's PB like, as we call I him. just think about the people worshiping that's God it. <laughs> <laughs> well you could he didn't say it exactly but you could get a feel I guess now that you put that's, it that way it was a little that's bit why he wears sunglasses yeah. because yes. he doesn't so, want he just he's just so like and emotional yeah 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 a lot of tears <laughs> so you know I feel the same way we all feel the same way when we're up on stage and we look out on the crowd and someone is you know they got their eyes closed and they're singing your song and your song means something to them. Yeah. It's, sort of, it's sort of like that when you feel like you've been taken out of the equation, yeah. it almost is the yeah. most gratifying thing. Yeah. But in your case, obviously you're, you have this integral role in people's relationship with the Lord. That's right. You know, I mean, you're right in there. Yeah. Right. So as you're writing those songs, is that something that you have to sort of try to put to the side of your mind? You know what I mean? For me, it's uh, the analogy has always been uh, the moon, be the moon. And which what, what I mean mm. by that is that the moon gives no light on its own, but it just reflects the light, right, mm-hmm. from the sun. And so that's the place that I feel like it's, it's an odd thing. The stages are weird anyway. Stages right. create For sure. w- weird things. Yeah. And it's an odd thing when you're really representing the Lord and mm-hmm. faith and Jesus and talking to people about Jesus, but you're on a stage and spotlights are on you and there's smoke machines and yeah. there's, um, and you know, that's, that creates another dynamic. That's a little bit weird, but at the same time, it's really what's going on inside of you. And that's where I have to be in the right place. And for me, I've always thought about it that way. It's like, you know, I'm just, refl- I'm reflect. I have no light on my own. I don't get up here and think if you just follow me, it's right, going to be good. Right. Yeah. If I, I'd realize that, you know, if, if what I can give people might last that night, but, if people can connect with the Lord, if they can connect with God's presence and really connect with God and, and hear his voice, then that changes everything. And so that's what I'm trying to do and just be in a reflection like that. When I think when I say the moon, mm. it, you know, the sun is the one who gives light right. you know, this out, and the moon just reflects it. And so that's, I feel like that's always been kind of the place of a worship leader anyway. Yeah. But even when I'm on tour and I'm on concerts and I'm in these big places, I still feel the same way. Which is the, the humor to me is that that's, I mean, this is, probably obviously say, but it's the same with us, hopefully mm-hmm. with you and I, John, it's like, yeah. it shouldn't be any different. It's yeah. just that yours is kind of this, it has this accountability built in that I think would either be maybe both like really hard and really freeing where like ours can get tricky. Cause it's kind of like, well, I'm doing that, but I mean, yeah, it's okay if I grab some, I feel like ours is like, well, I can take a break from it for a second. You know yeah. what I mean? For, from that headspace a little bit. It's yeah. like, well, this one, I can be a little self-indulgent right here, yeah. you know? But with yours, it yeah, it has it's, that built-in accountability, like you said. It is, it is, it is different. That's why I said when I take songwriting, I, it's not just something that's fun. I take it as responsibility that God yeah. has given me. Okay, so God has given me a gift, and for some reason, a platform that people look to. So I know that when I'm writing songs, that people are looking to that. Is that something I can? play in my church something that translates to that now and so i I take that responsibility very seriously when i'm thinking about my music and i mean i think one of the things that's so fun through talking about this for people that listen is to hear that because i think it's easy it would be easy i think for people to go like oh you just kind of crank out a song and 
and then wow, the world's all singing it. Yeah. But there's so much, so much into it, so much craft, so much skill, so much yes, instinct and yeah. Know. And I, I heard a guy say this once too, and and I feel like the this, the the great songs have been this. But he said, I, sometimes I'm a songwriter, sometimes I'm a song receiver. And I was wow. like, oh, I feel that because yeah, I feel like the songs that have just been this, like what happened, where did that go? Yeah, it's all been kind of like I was just was it was just downloaded. I was like, yeah. goodness gracious. Where did that come from? I could give and you how can we get that to happen more? Stories. There's some formula for that. <laughs> there, I, there is none, right? Yeah. You, you so wish. Probably the bathroom may have something to do with it. It's true. The that's new bathroom. True. That, that Old you Testament built, bathroom. Be, you mentioned something Testament. for all the listeners. How many listeners do we have now? Right now, it's the three of us. Um, <laughs> if you're counting active <laughs> listeners. There was um, that one episode where you were sitting on your phone and you called Annie. So that's she, four. That was our it's highest. three and a half. Yeah. We bet a bump. Three and a half, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we are. We excited. called a podcast, but it's really just a time for the three. Yeah, of us we're to not get recording. Together. Yeah, uh, no. that would be. That's just my screensaver. <laughs> that would be. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you have a screensaver of Pro Tools running. That would be a hysterical, terror of like such a sad thing. As if I was so lonely that I fooled y'all. I fooled everybody into thinking I was recording a podcast, and we would just come over and hang. And it, hey, dude, when's that coming out? Oh yeah, yeah, it's soon, coming out. Soon. We're still working on the website. Yeah. Or even worse, like I get to meet people I've always admired, and that's the way I do it. They're like, "Why are we at a restaurant? Where are the mics?" I'm, I'm getting all this. Trust me, it's we're, I've got a way I do this, and you'll it'll it's be up, a, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's up there, it's up here somewhere. <laughs> okay, so let's. Uh, I feel like we could go into the music, f- yeah. for another three hours, but let's back up a little bit. You grew up in Texas, yes. What was the house like? Mom, dad, siblings, all that. Give us sort of the flyover. The flyover for the yeah. um, well. So early days, I well, first thing I remember, we were I uh, lived in a trailer house. I was the oldest of three boys, and so we lived out beside out behind my grandparents' house. And my dad was a pharmacist, so he just started his first pharmacy job in outside of Tyler, Texas. So that that was our first house. It was I can still remember those vivid days. And then we moved to like a house, and I thought, man, this is like we have just made, on the hog. We have made it. <laughs> And uh, and uh, this is awesome. I look back now. I think that thing was like eight hundred square feet, nine hundred square feet, something like that. And then finally moved into our. The reason I'm saying that is finally moved to our house. Like when I was six, seven years old, the house that my parents still live in today. And I live really? my really? whole life, and they're still there, in the same house today. And that's where my, my me and my brothers grew up. The house was just. I mean, my three boys. It was just full on. It was sports all the time. It was everything was competitive. Everything was fighting. You know, it's just beating each other up yeah. every day over something. Um, and but my my dad, yeah, like my mom and dad had at a pharmacy. My mom worked at the pharmacy. My dad had a was one of those quintessential small town pharmacies where you got the pharmacy going on, and he has a he had a little guitar shop in the in the corner that sold guitars. Wait, no way. Wait, 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 wait. In the, the pharmacy, pharmacy, in the pharmacy guitar shop. Yeah, this is this is not Walgreens. Well, you Walgreens, CVS, this stuff did not exist. Okay, and so this is he had a, he had a little guitar shop in the corner, and then he had a baseball card shop in the other corner. So oh he, my gosh, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> this is heaven. <laughs> it's heaven. Like literally, this. Right. Did you ever leave? So I worked at the pharmacy, and we had oh a uh, we had a uh, Pinto Ford Pinto. Oh. We don't make these anymore. And that was the delivery car. And so I was a deliver. That's what I did. I had two jobs. I mowed yards. I had a lawn. I had about twenty yards. Jeez. And, and then I did deliveries for uh, my dad. And so basically, you're. And this was. 
it was funny because people don't, that doesn't really exist. People aren't delivering. I was a drug dealer. I deliver drugs. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah. And I, so people don't deliver drugs anymore. But I was delivering drugs. And do you a, say that on stage? Like, yeah, look, yeah, yeah, I oh my this God. is the power of the gospel. I used, I used to be, to be a drug. drug oh my God. <laughs> I used to push yeah, drugs, drugs all around all around Tyler, town. Texas. <laughs> Ford Pinto. I was in a Ford Pinto, and it had our. I remember it would have our. Um, the decal, my dad's thing yeah. is called professional pharmacy and it had the decal in the, in our phone number on the side. It was always so embarrassing because my dad would drop me off at school in that thing. And, Oh, with the decal. And it had the big decal and my dad knew it was embarrassing and he would get a running start into school and hit and pull the little emergency brake and no, slide in. No, <laughs> slide no, in. no, no. Yes. Yes. And my <laughs> friends are there and I'd get out of the Pinto like, Hey guys. And, uh, <sighs> was the decal like, <laughs> You know, uh, did it have like a, a pill and then like a guitar and then like a, a baseball guy? Was it Ken Griffey holding like a Taylor guitar? Like, but no, isn't that amazing though? So we had so my dad had these three things going. He put the guitar in my hand when I was a kid. I was I had mono uh, when I was uh, one summer. Wow. Then baseball was everything for me. And yeah. playing baseball and I, they're like I was in fourth. I was nine years old. I got mono in. That was a weird thing because they call it the kissing disease, right? And right. I, when I was and nine you, years old. Did you talk about that? What's yeah, the like uh, history there? And, 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 yeah, exactly. were you, what were you doing dropping off the drugs? <laughs> he was, everybody knew him around. Uh, town. You know what the payment for this is? Is a kiss. <laughs> nine nine years old. short on your payment, <laughs> Not, Mrs. Robin. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so nine years old, I'm in the, uh, I'm, I get mono. My dad's like, you know, you're driving your parents not crazy. You're driving your mom not crazy. We're, I'm, you're, it's, it's all summer. Um, do you want to learn to play the guitar or the fiddle? And he said, I'm going out back. And when I come back, um, just let me know. Uh, it was that. It was just exactly like that. And I'm sitting at home. I'm probably watching the Dukes of Hazzard or something like that. Yeah. And he walked, come in. And I said, Dad. And he said, so what it'll be, guitar or fiddle? And I was like, ah. I said, guitar. And he goes, okay, I'll start tomorrow. And he would just draw out the notes, the strings, and he would draw out the notes. And I would, that's what I do. I sit all day and grab one of, the, one of his guitars. And my dad loved Loved country music. It was all. It was all about the outlaws. All he cared about in yeah, life was really Willie Waylon yeah, and yeah. Merle Haggard. Yeah, those three. Yep. was it for him. Yeah. And uh, so he, my first song. I mean, I was a little kid, "Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain" and "Silver Wings" were my two first songs, and that was my fourth grade talent show. So music was part of my life, and then sports was a big part of my life. I loved. I loved basketball, baseball, tennis. Yep. I loved playing that. Um, and then having two younger brothers, we were all really close in age, so everything was competitive, like I said. And they were they were both better athletes than me. They were better at everything than me, even though I was the older brother. So it was a fun house. It was a great childhood. I mean, being in a small town, you know, my friends that I grew up with, we, we literally grew up together the whole way, you know. And yeah. so we were the same friends unit from kindergarten through seniors. Mm-hmm. And you're talking, you know, not talking many people. And so that was a real special thing because we're everybody's so close. The town I grew up in is called Grand Saline, and it was it's outside of Tyler, and it's the, it's famous for the Morton salt mines. Have you ever seen the little girl where it says "Where it rains, it pours"? The yeah, little yellow. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the Morton salt mine it comes from my town, and so everybody's salt miners. So I'm just that sent the picture. All the cars are rusted out. You have to hide these old cars because yeah, yeah. the salt rusts them. Isn't all that out. amazing? And uh, I think that is so and, fascinating. And so that was kind of where that's that's the town I grew up in. Yeah, that's the little town. So what was your dad's? Uh, was it just a love for country music that made him, you know, devote like half his store to guitars, or was he? Yeah, a musician he loved music. Up? He loved music, and he loved country music. Uh, like I said, and he loved it. He loved the music of the church too. I grew up in the church from early on, but. 
yeah, he he loved playing guitar. They he had a little bit. They had a little band um, that they would play the Salt Festival every year. They were, oh they were one, my gosh! They had one gig a year. It was the Salt <laughs> Festival, and um, the Salt Festival was a big deal, man. It was a big deal. <laughs> and uh, and yeah. did you feel a sense of kind of honor, like uh, dad, my dad plays? Oh, I remember. I I can't remember going to when they would rehearse for the Salt Festival. Oh my gosh! And I would sit in the corner, and I was like, gosh! And they're playing all these country songs, and I'm just like, uh, it's it's Alabama and. Willie and all these songs. I was like, oh, this is, I just thought my dad's the coolest thing ever. He's playing guitar in this country band. And so, yeah, he loved it. And he thankfully put the guitar in my hand and uh, he loved selling guitars. And mm-hmm. it was always these little, uh, it's always like a Takamini and oh yeah, in the in the in the Takamini knockoffs and everything. That Which just... sounds like a great band, <laughs> Chris Tomlin and the Takamini and the knockoffs. Takamini knockoffs. <laughs> Listen, if you need a bad drummer, you know who to call. So, so yeah, it was guitars and strings. He had all the it all the strings and and guitars and. I mean, did, did he did he do enough business that it? Yeah, I mean, because he was kind of the only st- game. He was in town. The only game in town, and I mean, you know, you'd sell two or three, and you'd be fine. Because I mean. Wasn't like he didn't have a lot of overhead. He only had about five up there, and so we saw two or three <laughs> of these. That'd be so amazing. Much. Yeah. So yeah. this was fascinating to me. I read where you wrote your first worship song at fourteen. Yeah. So you've watched your dad. Yeah. You see how music works. Yeah. Are you writing songs before then, or was that kind of was your first four a.m. doing doing worship songs? Yeah. No, I was playing. Uh, I was I had a band. My first band was. I think we wanted to be uh, Striper. Do you remember Striper? Oh mm-hmm. my God! <laughs> Can we talk? <laughs> Christian heavy metal. Yeah, Christian heavy metal. Heavenly metal. We wanted yeah. to be that. Yeah. And um, <laughs> but when none of us could hit, you're gonna love this. Let me tell you about. This. Let me tell you that. Let me set the scene. None of us could hit the notes. So we had a girl who sang in the opera, the East Texas Opry. She sang country, but she could hit. She could sing that high. Yeah. So she was our lead singer. Oh my gosh! And I had. But in the keys, in so y'all would do the real keys. They were that high. They were. I mean, Even I, as kids, I, couldn't? I couldn't. I couldn't hit them. And I. And so I had a. I was a guitar player. I had a red Ibanez. Oh, Tell me about it. The red Ibanez, electric <laughs> guitar. Picture this. Keyboard player. No, we didn't have a bass. But the keyboard player. We were kind of like white stripes before that. Before they even knew that. So he did bass. So he didn't really have bass, but he had a. He was a keyboard player because he had a keyboard. And he had two sounds. He had the wind and the helicopter sound. And so no. every every song no. started with no 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 no. And then somewhere in the song, if you hear, it's like Miss Saigon. Oh, that's exactly. So we hit that. And then our drummer had no no a seventy piece drum setup. He had like three three kick drums. He had so many toms. He had I I he had a gong in the back because Strapper had a gong. Oh my gosh. And so we would play. And so that was my band. Um, we were called the, the Seventh Seal, Wrath of God. I'm not, no, sorry, no, no, no. We had a parenthesis. Seventh Seal, parenthesis, Wrath of God. Wrath of God. Wow. <laughs> that is an ambitious title. Intense. <laughs> intense. Were y'all heavy? We were strong, man. No, we were so, I mean, we, it was helicopter wind, me and an Ibanez, <laughs> and, it, and, and just, just, just a drum solo the whole time. The whole, the whole song with the East Texas Opry country singing girl. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Imagine hold this. Hold on, hold on. I won't even tell you. I what, can't. I won't even I'm tell you. I'm trying to picture what that's we, like. We would practice in my friend's garage, and I won't even tell you. It's not, it's, I can't even put it because this is a family-friendly show. What his dad would come out and tell us about our music. 
music. It was unbelievable. I, it, I just love that <laughs> the instruments are as follows. Yeah. Drums, guitar, oh, more drums. singing, helicopter, and, and wind. wind. <laughs> and wind. <laughs> They're like, listen, no, he's not here. We can't do this. We can't do the show. We, what's going to happen imagine? with helicopter and wind? We don't have helicopter and wind. Every song starts with the helicopter taking off. That's so how we know the sit, tempo of the song. When you sit with Ed and y'all are working on a song, do you ever have a temptation to be like, Gosh, you know what this could use? <laughs> Some wind. <laughs> so, so that was my band. But yes, I did write a song. I would play at church too. And uh, I did write, um, started trying to write songs when I was in uh, about, starting in high school, just just trying to write songs that I, that people could sing. Most of the songs I was doing was other people's songs, but I would just try to write my own too. And they were awful. So but, you said earlier that you were up, uh, you would get up at church and and be playing. And yeah, you, oh, you liked it when people were singing. So were you doing special music and stuff? like yeah, that? Yeah, that would get special. So you were kind of the, that guy. Yeah, already. I was the only kid in, in the that could play. I mean, that was, it was that was the forcing function. You know, it's yeah. like okay, he can play. He's got the red eye. Yeah, it was that simple. He can play. He's you, got the red eye. Yeah. <laughs> get up there. Listen, don't you dare bring that electric guitar to this church. <laughs> oh, no, no, we, no. Don't you No dare. way. No way. Now, how big was the church that, that you go to? Oh, gosh. We had a, it was it was a couple hundred people. Okay, yeah. And, which was massive for our time. It was yeah. the largest church in town. We had a youth group of like 30 people. Which is That's big. Massive. Yeah. And so, you know, our town was 2,000 people. Total, so you know, ten percent of the town. But I would always get up and, and play a, a, spe- a song, you know. And, yeah. and so I, I started realizing, gosh, that's when I started realizing I like playing songs that people know, and they start when it would just cause them to sing. Maybe not the ones that your band was doing that they didn't know. You're like, well, maybe that was the juxtaposition. Why are they band? not connecting? Why are they not connecting with this band? This hey, band turn is the amazing. helicopter up. Turn it up. We need. <laughs> is it in the main? I, I look back, man. I look back and think, <laughs> what kind of patience and endurance did your yes my parents yes yeah. my Amen. friends my family because now now I see what that what that must have been like. What a train wreck. Ever, what a horrible need, sound. And, and yeah. can I say on, on a, for, <laughs> as a global comment for those of us musicians who all grew up yeah. with these stories. If ever we get mad at our parents again in a moment, like they do something, yes. you think, oh, you're rolling your eyes at your yes. dad, your yeah. mom, whatever. I think there should be some little moment of serenity where we go, but you know what? This is the same woman slash man who, when I was upstairs, because I grew up, grew up playing drums, playing, ah, uh, just, is that the worst? Just oh, man. wearing it out yeah. that they were just like washing dishes, like give them 15 more minutes, you know, yeah. like, dude, cats, cat, dude. Or they're washing dishes and they're like, that's 15 more years. Oh my gosh. But you know what I mean? Like there is like red X's You're right, Chris. Like like, that is not talked about enough. The patience of parents to go, no, like, I mean, piano when you're starting and just like. I look back and I'm so grateful. I mean, I think about, and I think about the the church I grew up in, what what I miss. Because, you know, the churches, a lot of the churches I'm I'm in now and they're just so pro. And everything yeah. is just that's like a, that's really great word. Everything's yes. like on stun, insane, and <laughs> on I, stun. And so like and like I think about where I grew up, I wouldn't have a chance. I, would, <laughs> I mean, I was awful. There's no way yeah. I could be in uh, what churches are today. And I'm so grateful. I had people's like because I'm looking back, going, God, that must have been horrible. And they're just like, Well done, son. Keep yeah. it up. You can do this. You know what? And I mean, to have people like that, yeah. to, to think of the providence of God. 
literally yeah. for all of our stories that there were safe places to develop Yes, for all of us. I mean, that was me yeah. at college. I went to MTSU and not Belmont. Had I gone to Belmont, I don't know that I'd be doing music because to your point, everybody there was on stun. I love yeah, that. Yeah. Like everybody there had played their whole life and was the best kid in their usually city right. at whatever that instrument was and right. had taken private lessons since they were negative, yes. like out of the womb. <laughs> yes. And if I had been in that environment, I mean, I think that's a really profound thing. Again, just the providence of God that he would go, hey, for, for you to achieve this goal, this, this thing I have in your life, you need to be here. And you need to be over here because if you're not there and you're going up in the wrong situation, like this is the plan I have. Yeah, yeah it's not happening. Isn't yeah. that crazy? It's not happening. It makes me like, okay, where am I? What are my kids growing up in? It makes me think about that. You know, yeah. what are my kids growing up in? Is there is there places that there is there safe places where they can really develop? And I want to make sure that 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 happens. You know, where it's yeah. not just like, oh gosh, you know, I'm not sure we can have you on stage because that wasn't like yeah, just right, perfect. right, right, yeah. right. Oh my yeah. god, could you imagine? I mean, I would never have a chance. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, so, so you know, you do college where you start to play more. Yes. Um, you get out of college, yeah. it starts to ramp up even yeah. more yes. where you're doing it more and more. The thing that I was curious about sort of in that season is, is cause you were affiliated with ministries and churches. Yes. You know, you had jobs at churches doing, yeah. you know, the pro worship thing. Yeah. What was the transition? Cause that's a lot. I mean, that's, you know, we're covering a lot of time there, which is kind of cheating, but what was sort of the transition from going, I'm the guy leading at church to like, I think I want to go out further or I want to do something different with this and be, you know, like kind of go out into the world on my own and do this. How did that happen? That's amazing. Gosh, there's so much in that. You know, when I was a junior in college, by the time I was, a, I went to Texas A&M University and by the time I was a junior, we had this thing called Breakaway there, which was just really exploding at the time. It was huge. And it's still massive. And um, these were the very early, early days. And when, when I was there in I started having all these opportunities and people were, people were hearing more of my songs and um, but I didn't really, still didn't feel like I could do this for a career. And I was like, that's just, it's just fun. I enjoy playing songs and Bible studies, but now churches are calling me everywhere. And I remember on the phone one day with a friend, calling back to a friend at home, um, back in my little town and we're, we're talking and he doesn't even remember saying this, but he said, so what's going on, man? It seems like God's using your songs in an amazing way. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, he said, what are you going to do? It's like, oh, I'm still going to go to, I think I'm still going to go to, um, try to get into physical therapy school or some kind of sports medicine thing. I'm going to get grad school, you know? And he said, isn't, he goes, isn't that amazing about us that when we always, we always just have plan B when we don't trust that God has, is doing something and that we don't trust what God's doing. <laughs> and he said, he goes, Hey, to this day, he said, I don't remember saying that. And I was like, you said that. And I was like, and it was that moment. It's like, that, that is completely me. I was so, I didn't have enough faith or trust to go, I could do that. I could actually go do this. So, it was pretty much that phone call almost. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to just try to finish school here and see what happens. And I remember going and, and God just started to open up all these doors, these different doors of like opportunities to play. And this, the crazy things about my story, if, if, if I could just back up a little bit is that the very first time I ever played something, it was at an opportunity at a, at a high school and it was a little youth crusade. They said, would you come play this little youth crusade for a week at this little thing? And I'm like, man, I would love to. I'm just out of high school. These kids are from the same my age and I didn't know to say no. I didn't have, I wasn't smart enough to say no. I said, yeah, I'll do it. And then I thought, I don't know enough songs to play for a week. I don't, I don't have, like it's every night and I knew like three or four songs. That's it. That's all I knew. Like that's all I had the bullets in the gun, you know? That's yeah, all. yeah. And my good songs, right? And they're like, we're going to play for the week. I was like, okay. And I get a call 
right before this, and this guy, really deep voice, like, hello, my name is James. I'm like, hey, James, how you doing? He's like, uh, yes, I understand that uh, you're playing at this youth crusade. And I'm like, yes. And I was like, I am. And he said, well, the reason I'm calling you is I've never heard of you, and I am speaking this week at the thing, and I was wondering what kind of music you do. I've never heard of you. And I was like, well, James, the reason you've never heard of me is I've never done this before. And secondly, I don't really have any music. I have about three or four songs. And you could hear the pause. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine the long pause of fun? He goes, he goes well, can I send you some music? He said, can I send you some music? I said, yeah. So he sends me this music in the mail. Tapes. That'll tell you when it, what year it was. Yeah. And he, tells, he sends me this music in the mail, and it's like all these new songs I'd never heard. A lot, a lot of worship songs. And I looked at the little tape, and it said, uh, Choice Ministries produced by Louis Giglio. And I was like, that's a funny name. And, uh, and, and that's, that's all I thought. But, and I learned all these songs. Will we know some of those songs? Yeah, there was our early songs. We're like, Lord, you are more precious. Oh, yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, mighty yes. is our God. Mighty, uh, yeah, yeah. How, oh, that's uh, amazing. You know, he is exalted. Oh, and yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, all yeah. these early courses. Yeah, yeah. Lord, I lift me one high. You name, yeah, yeah, name yeah, it. Yeah, For okay. me, that was really new. Okay. And I was like, at that time, and I was like, oh, I love these. And I started writing them down, writing the chord. I, I, I came, uh, my first thing I ever did, note cards. Only note cards with the lyrics and the chords above them. Wow. And because uh, I was scared to death to look at anybody, I didn't memorize the songs. So at night, I would, before the session, I would come and set the note cards in the order on the stage. Oh, I love that. And just look at them. And I would take, I would literally sing a song, take the mic stand to the next note card <laughs> because I, I, I set them down the stage, down the side. And can a you practice imagine, you still do today. Can you imagine what that one is to look like? No one can see me right now, but can you imagine like what that must look for the audience? Every song he moves down. And the he, lighting he, guy is like, oh my God. He slides down. So this, so, so this is my first so. Get it, you know, I'm, the, I'm getting on, You know the other thing too is that people know how many songs you have left. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. I'm We're just starting. Oh, he's Almost done. <laughs> he's at nine o'clock. He skipped like <laughs> five songs. I can go to the back. He looks like he's upset. <laughs> so it, that was what. That's the first. That's the first time I ever led. First time I ever did anything. That's how I, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And at the end of the week, this is what I'm getting to. The end of the week, James he comes to me and he said, "Chris, two things." And I was like, "Yeah." He said, um, "One, you have no idea what you're doing." And I was like, wow, thank you very much. I mean, he was like, I was like, I was like thank you very this much. a great talk. Yeah, yeah. James. He goes, and secondly, I'll never forget this, man. He said, you, had, you have no idea how God's going to use your music in the world. You're kidding. I didn't, I didn't even have any music. I'm using note cards of other people's music, and, I, and I'd written maybe a song or two. He goes, You're yeah. kidding me. He goes, you have no idea how God's... He goes, I, I've been praying for you this week, and God has shown me he's going to use your music all over the world. I'm, se- I'm 18 years old. And I was like, well, thank you. And he said, I remember. And then he put his hand on my head. And we're just standing there, two guys. I didn't come from that kind of tradition of the church. He comes, just puts his hand on my head and is staring at me. And he said, God, and he's looking right in my eyes. And he said, God, would you make Chris a psalm writer for his generation? Not a songwriter, but a psalm. Would you make him a psalm writer for his generation? And it was, man, it was like lightning Holy went through me. Holy cow. It was like lightning went through me. And fast forward now, I'm in college and I get a call. Hey, would you do this event? And there's, um, the guy speaking his name, Louis Giglio. And I was like, Oh my gosh, the tapes. That's, That's the, the funny name guy. Yeah. The guy, the guy from the tapes. We connect that night and he's, and I, I'm playing something and Louis comes to me and goes, and who, who are you? And where, where are these songs coming from? Oh, I said, oh, I've been in college writing these songs. And he goes, he goes, I speak everywhere. I've never heard these songs. And these are, these are really great. And he goes, and I remember he said, I think the whole world's going to sing these songs. I'm like, well, I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, man, wherever I go speak, I'd love for you to go with me and travel. And and it became something that was just, I, I knew this was something uh, that was 
bigger than I ever could imagine or dream. And the the doors kept opening and opening and opening. And at the same time, I, like I, like you said, I, st- I still kept leading in churches and planting churches and being there. But the opportunities kept growing and growing. This thing called passion started with Louie. And then we started this thing and it just never dreamed that it would be known for its music. It was supposed to be this conference that was just to gather college students. And we were writing these songs, producing these songs. And then all of a sudden the music started exploding in a grassroots way. There was no radio, there's no marketing, there's none of that. And it was like, and then all the record labels started calling saying, who are you guys? This record is bigger than all our records in Christian music. And we don't even know who you guys are. What's going on? And, and so that the record label thing started forming just out of really just trying to again just writing these worship songs and seeing and god just leading the way it was amazing and a full circle james is the guy that with the tapes and the guy who prayed for me and said you don't know have any idea what you're doing he is now um the senator of oklahoma u.s senator of oklahoma he sits on the foreign relations committee he deals with isis all the time you'll see if you ever see a guy on tv talking with Wolf Blitzer, and he's this redheaded, kind of looks like Opie um, guy with a deep voice talking about foreign relations things, and it says Senator James Lankford. That's him. And no that, way. That's the wow. guy that was, oh, oh, that was the guy that was our the first thing I ever did. That's the guy who was speaking that week, and he was just this young evangelist traveling around. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of how it turned into this whole the platform of that God put me with with passion and all those things was a real platform for those songs to just grow. And for the longest time, I thought I, I would say it like this: I feel like I'm I'm just chasing my songs around because no one yeah. ever huh, put, that's ne- a great way to never put. no one ever put my name with them. They were just songs people Man. sang in the church. And that is to me that sounds like such a refreshing way to go about it because it's always sort of the opposite. You it know is. I mean? Like when you're starting out, you're hanging pictures of yourself yeah. in coffee shops yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, just trying to get some some people to come in yeah. to listen to a song that you wrote. Right. But for your actual music from day one to already be, you're already out of the equation. You yeah. Know? The songs have always been the star. Yeah. They've been. The, That's so nice. They've been the song. The song's always, for the longest time, it was years before my name or recognition ever caught up with, oh, that's mm-hmm. the guy behind them. It was like these songs were just going out because they were very, it was like this college group putting stuff out. There was no, it was very nameless. But, now, when you were writing some of that stuff, did you have any, because I assume that you were writing a lot of that stuff before you had that conversation with your friend where you started to think, okay, I am going to do this. Yeah. When you're writing them, are you thinking... This is something here. No, I didn't have any idea to think that way. Yeah, I was, I was doing it at, at uh, Breakaway there. What at was the, and that was it. What yeah. was the first song you saw that was like, whoa, what's happening here? Uh, a song called "We Fall Down." I don't know if yes. you remember Oh yeah, "We Fall Down." That was. You that. know what's embarrassing? I didn't know you wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote that? Yeah. So that was like nineteen ninety. That, that was nineteen ninety four. Five, I guess, and something. you just saw 1994, 95, and that's one that I'd written a lot of songs before that, and they were kind of they kind of locally people would sing them, but that was a song that I started getting emails of like, hey, we're in such and such, and we're singing this in Spanish, and we translate this in Spanish, and it's going way further than I ever thought. This yeah. is a simple little song. And that was one of the first ones. That so we, we, you would go play it at Breakaway. Yeah. Like that was your first real kind of outlet. I hate that word, but yeah. in this context. But yeah. that was your that was how you get up and play it. Yeah, yeah. And then would you go record them and that's how they would spread? Breakaway didn't really start making any records for itself till I left 
first record they made was um, the next incarnation of Leaders after I graduated. But I made little camp because I would do youth camps. That's how I kind of made a, my livelihood. I would do youth camps in the summer, and I made little camp CDs, and I would have some of these songs on there. But where we fall down, it was the first Passion Conference that was recorded, and a guy named uh, Sam Perry was the leader was the worship leader and they let it and they sang it. I wasn't even leading it. Oh, I wasn't you weren't even leading. I wasn't I was I was just a little community group leader and I wasn't even a part of the big stage thing, but they played that song and I'm never that was the first time um I'll never forget I hearing someone else. At that point, I just played my songs. And as soon as the piano part started I was like, "Oh, that sounds like melody I cuz I just written the song and and sure enough, and it it got on that record and it just took off and on that Which one. Which is so funny cuz it wasn't even It wasn't even me singing it. And then uh, Michael W. Smith put out his worship record that was uh, just went like sold millions and millions of records. And the opening track is a song called Forever. That's, I'd written that song. And those are some of my early college songs. Wow. And uh, so when I say I was chasing my songs around, literally, long, long point, people are like, oh, I love that song. Oh, I love that you sing Michael's songs. Like, yeah, thank you. I love that you sing. <laughs> you, know, you know, it was right. all that. You know, it was really, yeah. it was. Wow. So I kind of started from the songwriter perspective, yeah. like. Yeah, other people sing my songs, but it was yeah. a while before I caught up with them, really, in a way. That yeah. is crazy. Yeah, and they, but the church started singing them, and so people would find out, oh, Chris wrote that, you come and lead it. And I was doing these little youth youth weekends in Texas and playing these songs, but the songs really, when they, the first songs that really took off, I had, only thing I did was write them. I didn't, I wouldn't record them or anything. You know what's really interesting, too, is I remember um, when I played Texas the first time, like, probably with words. <laughs> in like 2002 or three. And one of the things that I always thought was so cool about what was happening there with you, the Shanes, yeah. uh, at that time, there was so much amazing worship music, yeah. like innovative. Yeah. And I think now it's taken for granted that worship music is what it is. Yes. But at the time, I remember feeling like, these people in Texas are sort of sitting on this gold mine of worship music because so many of you guys. It's amazing. It was incredible. Like we would, Matt and I would go down there and it felt like every time we'd go, somebody would give us a record yeah, and be like, dude, have you heard yeah. these guys or this guy or this girl? And it was always like, this is so good. Yeah. And I think that I love that part of the story too, because I always feel like music like that has a community like something's happening for you to write something and somebody's writing something that they heard you and then you you know it, yeah. it just makes it better and you guys at that time it was an incredible thing that was happening in this in texas for some reason even now the ripples are still yeah massive from yeah. what was coming out mm-hmm. at in that moment it was a real it was kind of like the the uk thing when it was delirious and matt redmond and and all, and i could go down the list tim hughes and all these people writing these others these other things are like the next British invasion. He was like, what is this? Yeah. this? These worship songs. And Texas kind of had the same thing going. And it was really a collegiate thing that was happening. Yes. And it was, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, those, those, you're right, because so much of that was college ministries. It was all college ministries. That were sort of on their own. Like, yeah. I remember yeah. coming down there and be like, oh, is it like Crusade or RUF or yeah. Navigator? It's like, no, it's called Breakaway. And I was like, what's Breakaway? Like, well, it's just a day and M. Yeah. Or it was, you know, yeah. what, and it was always so... Yeah. I did a show with Shane and Shane at Texas Tech, and you would have thought Justin Timberlake was playing. Like, you know, yeah. it was like, there are so many people here. Right. Like, so <laughs> many people. Right. You know, it was just insane. Yeah. Like, that was not happening anywhere else in the States. You couldn't be right. like, we're going to rock up and do a worship night and have 
4,000 people. No. It's like, what? Right. So as this is all happening, as it's like exploding, like what are, what's the, the family like? What are your parents like? Are they totally supportive from day one? Yes. And I remember, I remember that moment when my, you know, I, I had normal parents that were like my dad at first, you know, he's like, you know, son, I put this guitar in your, uh, in your hand, but you know, it's, it's a hobby, right? You know, it's, 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 okay. a, you remember it's a hobby, yeah. you know, we need to get yeah. our degree and we need to have a, you know, a real job. And, you know, I had those talks, Yeah. but I remember when the music really started happening and more and more started happening by the time I was about a senior in college and thinking, I think I'm going to do this. I think it's just going to, I don't have a band. I don't have anything, but I think I'm going to just see where this, follow this and travel. And it, uh, basically it was me and a, I had a forerunner and my guitar and that was what I was doing. I had a really bad drum machine, one man band kind of thing. And Ed Sheeran way before Ed Sheeran. Oh gosh. Yeah. People think of Ed Sheeran is like so groundbreaking. Like first of all, seven <laughs> seal. And then, right. and then, <laughs> And then I, I went, have not once have I heard him use a helicopter sound. No, yeah. And yeah. then and then I was he hasn't was, found the right one. I was one. doing way Ed Sheeran stuff before yeah. he ever before he was born. Yeah. But literally before he was born. Yes, literally. literally. I think he's thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I remember the moment my dad. We we were it was one late night. He got a call at the pharmacy. I was home for I think Christmas, and he's like, I, I got to go uh, fill some prescriptions and you know deal some drugs and. Yeah. He's like, you want to go down there with me? And I was like, yeah, it was in the middle of the night. Somebody had called. And that, that's that small town pharmacy thing, by the way. That's yeah. a small town thing yeah. that, you know, is it's it's a strange thing. Somebody yeah. needs something. You got to go down there. And yeah. you're, you're kind of always on call, kind of like a doctor. And so we, I went down there with him. And he's talking. And I, and I remember, man, it was an mo- amazing moment. He just looked at me. And it's just me and him in the middle of, his, middle of the night in his pharmacy. He's like, you know, I just want you to let you know that. Um, it's important for a son to have his dad's blessing. And wow. He, and you have my blessing. Holy and cow. He said, I see the gift that God has given you, and it's evident that he's given you so many opportunities. And I want you to know from your dad, you just go for it. And you have my full, full blessings. And you never forget that. Yeah. Man, you never forget that. Yeah. And How did you feel when he said that? It was powerful. He never said a lot of stuff like that before. Mm. And, uh, you know, just gave me a big hug, and it, it's amazing how much confidence that puts mm. in you. Yeah, instantly you're like, okay, yeah, I can do this, you know. And that's an incredible thing of what a father can do. What it. So look at yeah. this segue that you're just lobbing up there like a champion, like a guy who's been in interviews before. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 let's talk. Let's talk about the fam. So well, Lauren, I, well, I know you guys are rookies, so I'm trying to help you. <laughs> I, I, mean, I feel my hand being held right now. I mean, I, you put the mana down. We'll it, follow it. It didn't yeah. take me long to, to survey <laughs> this first. When I saw you weren't recording, I knew. This is the red Ibanez of podcasts. Right <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Can we please start the podcast with a helicopter noise? Yes. <laughs> oh, we definitely are. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Or every time Chris wind talks, I want a wind to blow right as he starts talking. Um, so, so let's talk about your fam. So, so Lauren, you guys, how and when did y'all meet? We met in uh, when I moved to Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta, I guess, in '08, which was a big deal. I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but I remember. Because we, I don't know that we had maybe met briefly, yeah, but yeah. you know, like again, Texas was like locked and loaded with what y'all were doing. It was my life. That's all I knew. And it was just, it was everything um, was just going crazy. And 
I'd been a part of a church that was exploding in Austin. I was living in Austin, and I was traveling a lot, and the records were taking off, the music was taking off, all that. And yeah, and I moved to Atlanta to help Louis plant this church. He said, I feel like the next step in what this is, is this church. And so gave six, seven years of my life to that. Mm. And um, But the first week I moved to Atlanta, I playing tennis with a friend of mine. I loved I loved to play tennis or something like that. And so we're, I'm out there hitting with a friend of mine that I knew there. And he's like, oh, man, I got this. Uh, there's this girl I'd love to set you up with here. And I, and I was like, really? He said, yeah, her name's Lauren. He goes, man, she's, and he goes, I, I found out she's single right now. She does not stay single long. Okay. Oh so, so, my gosh. I never forget that line. He goes, he goes <laughs> she does not, not stay, stay single. He goes, man, he goes, all the guys, man, they want to date her. He goes, and so I know she's single right now. Can I, we got a window. He goes, we got a window. <laughs> and I was like, and he said, literally <laughs> looking at his wife. <laughs> <laughs> so double date. He's like, can we do a double date? And I was like, yeah, I'll be, I'm traveling. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. And so He's I, like, that may be too long. You need to cancel this. Trip. I mean, now. <laughs> he said, I meant like tonight. No. And then we went out and, you know, I wish I could say it was just like, love it. For, it was just instant. And I wish she was here to tell the story because she just bust me all day long. Because, you know, Lauren. She, oh, yeah. You know, she says I didn't look at her the whole night. She says, Chris, you did not talk to me. You looked at the other two, your friend and their date. And you had these flashcards on the table. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> And you would slowly just kept moving away from me. <laughs> Hello, thing. Lauren. How, where are you from? <laughs> oh my gosh! Just slow. Chris, you're moving away. Like, Can you just? I don't move know this what I, I don't. I don't know what I was doing. But I mean, I was. I've always. It's, that's another podcast. I've always been horrible in the female department. But I really, I did like her, and we 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 started going out. What was she doing there? Job was Chick Fil A. She was in the in the big marketing department, you know, know uh, you know, Atlanta's home of Chick-fil-A. And she was, yeah, and she was like doing, re- she'd done really well. She was in the corporate world, you know, in the in the Chick-fil-A world. And, and so that's when I, when I met her, she was in that world. And then she had transitioned to work for her parents a little bit later to do these ministries for, for men and women. So that was our date. And then we started dating and um, I just was just normal. Normal dude. Let's just talk about that. Uncommittal. Um, just oh, yeah. all the issues that guys yep. have. Well, and, but yep. not only that, but, but, but I mean, what you do and we do for a living when you're busy, it's a thing. Yeah. It's a operation. It's an operation. And you are spoken for. Your time is spoken for. Yeah, absolutely. That is a massive part of it. But she figured out quick. She's like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't going anywhere. You're just like, you know, you don't seem like you're really pursuing this. It just kind of works when you're at home, but it's not like something that you're... And she's just straight up, you know, I think it was like six months in. Six months, by the way, that's a whole other podcast, but that was pretty long for me. I mean, that was like mm-hmm. record time. Yeah, yeah. That record Your parents title. like, this may work. <laughs> record <laughs> title. He's been out three times. This <laughs> oh my God, over and, six months. Yeah, yeah. And so, and she just stopped that. She's like, you know, it's not going to work. And man, did I ever just like... So she, so she broke up with you. She broke up with me. Wow, and that'll uh, get your attention. Yeah, yeah and okay. I remember telling her we were talking about this at lunch today. I remember telling her because she always brings it up because her family they they do this ministry for men and for women. And they talk about the whole pursuing the the man and woman pursuing each other. That I mean, how would you like to marry into a family that that's what they talk that's about? That's what they do for a living. Yeah, yeah, it's marriage retreats, and so she's in that world. And they they show movie clips from like The Notebook and from like Braveheart and these these great moments that are inspiring that the movies bring out and say. 
this is what this is speaking to in the man you know mm. and, and i remember telling her when she broke up with me and she's like i remember looking at her she i said you know what you've watched one too many movies no <laughs> no 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 you're doubling down <laughs> you've watched one too many movies and you think it's all about a movie and she remembered she always talks about that and i was just such a i was such a jerk but um thankfully in just the craziest of ways uh, God brought that back together. God brought us back together. How much? How long after that? It was a few. It was probably another six months. Oh uh, wow! Wow! It was a while because I was so prideful. I was like so prideful. And I was like, I'm going to show her. I'm going to go date every girl I can find, and I'll make sure that somehow she knows about it. You know, and like so, I just went on this rampage of like just not to date to different girls and that kind of thing. And oh. Took him to Chick Fil A every time. Every corporate. time, yeah. yeah, just just not even to eat. Like, we don't, we don't have food here. This is the corporate office. It's awful. It was awful. But all that, you know, in all that, it was reminding me. It, it was reminding me, of, man, there's something about her. You know, it was yeah. always that thing. You know, and it, and I'd realize what I'd had. It was that moment where uh-huh. it takes for a lot of guys. You realize, man, I realized what I had, and I lost that. And, yeah. And and I remember saying a lot of times, gosh, I would love to get her back, and so I just got all the guts up and I'd reached out to her several times, nothing. And they hear nothing back. So one day I just called her and not thinking that she was going to answer the phone <laughs> and she answered and I'm like, Oh, and so I was like, Hey, um, just calling you. And you know, I've just had a lot, a lot of time, obviously a lot of time, about six, seven months <laughs> to think about this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I realized there's a lot of things I'd like to say to you and I'd love to talk to you about it. And, can I come by and just share? I just want to talk to you. And she goes, the phone's fine. Dang. <laughs> Cold she bloody. She's got some boundaries. <laughs> she goes, the phone's fine. I was like, uh, okay. And uh, so I just uh, just said it all on the phone. And she's like, that's really nice. Uh, you know, but I'm over you. I'm Holy over you. cow. And uh, she said, you know, I was you broke my heart. and I, And now I'm. I'm with somebody else, and and I'm I'm over you, and but I wasn't taking. It. I was going back in. I was like, yeah, but yeah. And she goes, did you hear me? I said, I'm over you. And she told me four times, and I was like, you know, I've heard that enough. I get it. That was it. And I thought we kind of hung up, and I thought that was it. And uh, for some reason, I wanted to send her a text. Um, I still try to throw lifelines out every once. So you know yeah. how we are. Oh I still yeah, try man. Everything you can do. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was just a little bit later and I send her a text it was I think weeks or months later maybe a couple months later and <laughs> the text was her family's ministry was called Adventures of the Heart that's what they do and her dad takes men out on these crazy wild men adventures and they talk about heart stuff and it's called Adventures of the Heart and I knew she was working there and I sent a text in a minute and exactly how it said it I said hey hope everything is going well with and I put in quotes Adventures of the Heart and just thinking about you I get a text Immediately back. She has not responded to me any text I've ever sent. Immediately back, she goes, how'd you know? Basically, she goes, how'd you know? You must have quite an entourage. And I was like, I thought maybe she meant that for somebody else. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then she goes, oh, well, me and my boyfriend broke up just yesterday. And I thought your little Adventures of the Heart thing was being a jerk. Um, oh, my <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> how are you with your adventures of the heart? That was my text. She had just broken up with her boyfriend. And she's like, you have got oh, intel. I said, I said, good you intel. Got my entourage and you are a jerk, basically. And I was like, 
I had I have honestly no idea of this inside. You know, inside you're just like yes. You know, you're like right. <laughs> game on, game on. <laughs> We're in, man. Men back We're on back the field, in. please. Everybody yeah. back on the field. <laughs> and so I knew at that moment. I knew at that moment though that okay. That was a moment of like, all right, if, if this was to work, if I step back in, there's no dating at this point. Yeah. It's not like, hey, let's, yes. da- let's just yeah. date and see if it works yeah. out again. Yeah, for yeah. sure. If you're, if you're going back in, this is this And you is, were ready. You I, felt was, like... I was ready. Yeah. And I, I was ready. So I knew I'm walking in and it's all on the line. It's all there from the start. And so, yeah, we got back together, met in, in person. And I, I remember we shut the restaurant down. It was one of those movie wow. moments where literally the, the manager came and said, look, I don't know if you noticed this, but everybody's gone. <laughs> There's no employees here. <laughs> oh my god! I'm, I'm locking the door, and he said, "I need you guys to leave." It was just that, just we. Have, this is the moment, you know. Wow. Yeah. And it was that, and and so we, then we got engaged quickly after that because it's like we knew. Yeah. And so like, there's no more dating. We got engaged really quickly, and got married, and then six weeks in, six weeks into marriage, I forgot about that. Lauren's like, uh. I think I might need to go to the pharmacy, back to the pharmacy, go to the pharmacy and uh, get one of those pharmacy. tests. Get one of those tests. <laughs> and grab a guitar while we're there. And uh, <laughs> You're like, some ball Grab cards. me some baseball cards. Also, is there any upper deck? That, uh... <laughs> can, you get, can you get Ken Griffey's rookie? <laughs> oh and, and and so <laughs> And so six weeks in, we found out. She said, it would be just amazing if we could have one year without having kids. I, I got later m- married later in life. I was 38. And so and she goes, but it would be great to have at least a year. I knew we needed a family should start soon, yeah. but we didn't know that soon. So before our first year of anniversary, we had a child before we were even had our first year anniversary. Oh wow. my gosh. And so it was a lot. So for me, it was a lot, you know, because I'm single that for so long. That is a huge At, change. Uh, marriage is a huge change, right? And then having a child yeah. is even massive more change. And all in a year, it's just been crazy. So were you guys on the same page with that? Was she- or was she like, no, nah, I would like to have a year or two. And no, she's like, no, a, I'm ready. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be nice to have kind of a honeymoon year. Yeah. Just like, but no, so she's six weeks in, she's sick, and she was sick the entire, her yeah. entire pregnancy, a horrible yeah. pregnancy. So our first year of marriage, she's, oh, she talked about man. she's not just on the couch throwing up all the time. Yeah. And like, you're like, all right, now we're in real life. <laughs> life yeah, here we go. Life which switched forever. Yeah. And it's been the greatest gift that's ever happened to me. It was it was a thing that I needed to wake myself up to, just really growing up in so many ways. Gosh, I mean that's nothing like marriage to to show you yourself and just what an absolute narcissist and selfish uh, you know person you are. And uh, John Eldridge. But if marriage doesn't quite do it, then having kids will do it. Yes, that's going to nail sure. the coffin. And right John yeah. Eldridge says marriage is God's divine conspiracy for your transformation. And if that ever is the truth, it yeah. is like this thing that really transforms you and it, it has transformed my life. Yeah. So with the both of y'all, what, and now with the girls, with both the girls, what are y'all like as a couple? Like, what is the dynamic? You know what I mean? How does that work with, with the girls, in with y'all way? as a family? Like what roles y'all just kind of naturally, like for, I mean, I know Lauren well, and I mean, she is, she's top of the line. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've done well. You've, yeah. She is such an amazing woman and yeah. such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. Yeah. How do y'all fit? Like, what are the ways that you go, man, this is, we are great with this. Who are you in that? You know what I mean? In that relationship? Like what roles you kind of play? It's pretty tradi- traditional in the way that she's very committed to be a, a, a mom, which I really, it's the most thankless place there probably yeah. is position in, mm-hmm. in the world. And, 
but she doesn't feel, I mean, she could do a lot of things. She's pulled in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that people want her to do. She's gifted in so many ways. She had a, a couple different careers before me, and she has really said, this is, I want to be fully there. So it is me in the kind of the provider role in a financial way. So I feel I play that role and she's with them all the time. And I love that. I saw something on that. Um, a stay, if you're a stay at home mom, they calculated the hours and it was on USA today. And they said, you, uh, you work three and a half full-time jobs a week, 3.5 in Jeez. hours. It's like it, compared to full-time job. Oh yeah. It's 3.5. It's like you have three and a half jobs a week. Yeah. And I was like, I, I see that. And so thank God for her and thank God for, for moms who have that commitment. I know everybody can't, but those who do and, it's it's thankless and so it's yeah. amazing. But so she does that, you know, with the, the like the training and the discipline of the of the kids. That's a that's very much shared. We both we have it's isn't it amazing how we have completely different roles. Like she's someone who is just like she's so caring and like speaks into them like in an amazing way into the kids. Mm-hmm. She is like everything is so for for her is so much teaching moments. For me, it's like very few words. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, no. And let let me tell you. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah. Why, let's sit down yeah. and talk about why, yeah. why this. I'm like, no. Get in your room. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a lesson. Don't do that again. Here's your lesson. No. And but but we have these we have these different I think roles in in the we're both very very engaged from a parenting standpoint, and I feel like we 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 really take pretty equal pretty equal in everything except you know time obviously she's with them a lot more than me because of what i what i do but i take very seriously like any time that i can be home like when i'm looking at my schedule and all that it is all about at this moment being there and being being present and so i think our roles are are a bit traditional in in that sense but you know there's nothing like there's something special about that the dad and daughter thing mm. that is like oh, yeah. i think i watch the roles happen and they're there's Lauren, the mom and the girls, they so much are more, they, they, they pick at each other a lot more. They're mm-hmm. just like the girls, they just know how to get on each oh, other. Yeah. And for me, it just drives Lauren crazy because for me, it's just, just, they're hugging on my legs oh, yeah. all the time. She's like, they never hug on my legs. Yeah. And he's like that whole dad daughter thing is just the most amazing things. I always, I, you know, just growing up with brothers, I always thought I'll have boys and that's what I know. And girls, I don't know this world and, yeah. and it's all girls and it's just me. But it's it's incredible. I'm so secretly, you know, outwardly, like publicly, I might say, oh, yeah, you know, it'd be amazing to have a boy. And inwardly, I'm like, oh, thank God. I just, <laughs> love, girls. I just love my Dude, girls. I am the same way. I love I'm my like, girls. I can raise my hand, amen, to everything you just said. Yeah. So one thing I want to ask you, is, so you were 38 when you guys yeah. got or had your first. Married, yeah. and, for, married and child. Married same and child. Year. A lot of change yes. that year. So you you've been writing songs for years, touring, yeah. touring for years. I know for me, when I became a dad, all these phrases that I had heard, sung, read, you know, growing up in the church about this, you know, relationship with my heavenly father, that when I became a dad got like infused with meaning, all this heavy, heavy meaning. Cause I have this like tangible relationship now with these two girls that I am their dad. So for you, especially as a songwriter who is, is writing about that, that first relationship, now you actually have the, the, the second relationship. 
What was that transition like for you? Man, did it affect the way oh, you wrote, you approached it just, songs? Unlocked, unlocked part of me in my heart that I did not know was there. I remember when mm-hmm. Ashley, my firstborn, when she was born, we were in a hospital, but we had a um, kind of doula midwife as well. So we had that, that, and then the and then the normal hospital world of, you know, having having a child. Yeah. But we had the midwife there to walk with Lauren to think because she just wanted to have the baby naturally, all that kind of stuff. So all that's happening when we have the baby, the midwife no longer is with Lauren. She is with me over in the corner trying to make sure I am not completely <laughs> She's She forgets Lauren. Lauren's fine. Lauren's having the baby. Lauren's fine. Me, I am in the corner on the floor. And she's, she's, I remember her hand on my back. You're, it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Oh my gonna, Meanwhile, <laughs> Lauren is having a baby. And she's with me because I am so overwhelmed. I yeah. had no idea. People, people t- would tell me all the time. They would say, they'd say this is amazing. They'd be, man, the greatest day of my life is when I had my f- child. The greatest day of my life. And I'd always think, man, inside I'd be like, you guys need to get a life. You need to get out get out more. Do things. That's what I <laughs> yeah, would always right. say. Inside, I would always say, you, man, you guys got to get There's a lot yeah, of great stuff yeah. out here. There's a lot of great stuff yeah. in the world. Are you serious? That's the best? And that's what I would think, man. And then you cannot, no matter how many people say it, until it happens. Right. Yeah. You cannot know. You cannot know. Yeah. And when it happened, it was just, it was, I was so overwhelmed. Unlocked a part of me. And what that I did not know was there, this love. And like you said, it infused everything of that, the father to God, the father to his children. What the love that a father has, the care, the protection, all those things just rise up in you, right? As the dad, immediately you're like, I will give my life for this little alien looking (laughs) baby right now. I would do anything. There's Mm -hmm. nothing. And then this hit me in the most profound way. And I thought, it just hit me. I was like, this is the one thing in life I can't stop doing. Wow. I can stop everything in my life. I can stop being married. I would never, God forbid, it ever happen. But people can stop being married all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. I can stop music. I can stop. So I will never stop being her dad. Even Man. if I'm a bum. Even right. if I just like try to run away. Yeah. I'm her dad. Yeah. Golly Moses. And that is forever. And that is massive. And I was like, what a responsibility. What an amazing. It wasn't like, oh gosh, it was like, that is the most amazing thing. That what is this this person for all time? I'm I'm her dad mm-hmm. and I'll never stop being that. You know, it is at church, um, our pastor just started a new sermon series on the uh, Lord's Prayer. And he said something this week that like, I started crying so hard that Annie thought something's wrong with me. <laughs> and it was this, and I thought this was so beautiful how he illustrated this. He was talking, so he's just going really slowly through it. And so the first thing he's talking about is our Heavenly Father. And he talked about the power, the access we have to God, because he's our Father, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah. that's great. But he talked about, and I thought this was really interesting because at first, you know, sometimes these things, the sports metaphors and stories, you can get a little like, oh, here we go, you know. (laughs) But he said, you know, so when Tom Brady won the last Super Bowl, whatever that was, five that he won, Chad, the pastor said, you know, I thought it was so fascinating because you're watching this man. This is his, they came back and won the game. It was just this massive moment. Yeah. He said, but he gets through what any man, and I think women, you get it. You're like, that's it. You've done the thing, right? Like, no, having a child. No, no, that is the best. You're yeah. on the stage. Everybody's like, you're the MVP. You brought your team back from the, you're the yeah. best at this. 
uh, and it's your fifth one. And he said, I thought it was so fascinating because when he comes down and his little girl is right there, his countenance just lights up. And it's like he had just walked, he'd just been given the trophy. And he said, and this just rocked me. He said, do you know why that, how that girl got on the field? Father. That's how wow. she got on the field. And wow. she has access because of that one word. And wow. I thought, God, that is profound to think that God, that we have access because of one word. One word. Mm-hmm. Isn't that one, amazing? One word. And I thought that was such a beautiful example of that, like that she she has access to the most important person in that whole arena because of that one word. She just has to say, Dad. Yeah, let her through. Isn't that great? And how revolutionary. It's back to the Lord's Prayer. When the, I think about when the disciples come up and say, when his friends, we say disciples like it's some, but his friends come up and say, you seem to know how to pray. <laughs> teach us. Well, you teach us how to pray. Isn't that amazing? He's the first thing. He says, yes, I'll teach you. When you, say, when you say this, say this, our Father. And for us, we've just heard it so much. But that had to be the most revolutionary. Oh, man. Yeah. They must have been thinking, you mean this God, that name, Father? That is so, per- that's like the most personally, I think about that. And all the names for God out there, right? Mm-hmm. There's Creator, Maker, Sustainer, Holy, Jehovah, Yahweh. You go the list of incredible names of God. But the most powerful to me and the most beautiful is father because Mm. that is like that means there's a relationship there that Mm. is that is so personal and intimate of i think about my relationship with my daughters and that that's how god would see us too that's just revolutionary to the Mm. world and if and i think if people got a hold of that if really people understood that that's the way he sees you and how he sees you you'd be busting the roof off the churches for people yeah i want to be i want to worship that god Mm -hmm. i want to be a part Mm -hmm. of that and and that's why that when that song "Good Good Father" came along, I think that's why that song is like a once in a generation kind of song, mm-hmm. right? That rises above the noise because it connects people with God as a Father. That reconnects them to that. There's a lot of labels. The world puts a lot of labels on people. That's what we do. That's what we can do. That better than anything. You're single. You're divorced. You're successful. You're an addict. You're this. Mm-hmm. You're you're a loser. Oh, you're a winner. Wow. You're amazing. You're a Republican. No, you're a Democrat. It's labels, labels, labels. And what I've been trying to say to people in my concerts is God has a label on you as well. And he says, you're my son and you're my daughter. Mm. That's how he sees you. He's a father. And, he and sees to you. your point, he can never be anything else. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> to your point. Yeah, like he's not going to quit. You don't stop being a father. You don't stop. You can't stop it. You can stop everything else. But you cannot stop being a dad. Isn't Once. that encouraging? Yes. that That's amazing, man. He doesn't quit us. Right. We may quit him, but he doesn't quit us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a couple more questions. Knowing the weight of what a father is, like yeah. how important dads are. Uh, when you think about the girls, what are things that you find yourself, like, what are the big things to you? Like, what, you know what I mean? When you sort of think about them, even in this, as they're so young, yeah. what are ways either that you really were impacted and you think this is something I want to pass on? Or what do you find yourself thinking a lot about, like, with that? The first thing that comes to mind, the, great, the number one is I want them to be grateful people, mm-hmm. grateful I want them to be grateful kids. And I mean, that to have a grateful spirit and a grateful spirit is, it just changes the game. When you walk around and you realize and you're, and you're grateful for things and you're not entitled to things mm. and all that has gone away and you're just, and you're grateful for what comes, you're grateful for what doesn't come, all those things. If I can instill that in my girls to mm. be just grateful of, of what God has given them, mm. of what they've been given. That's one thing I think, uh, one of the things that I, that I see for them obviously is I pray for them all the, all the time to follow the Lord and 
to take that faith. I always pray for that moment when it's not just me and Lauren what are speaking mm. into them, but it's when they take it as their own and mm. they, they realize, like, I'm going to follow. And I pray they take it, the baton from me and Lauren and, and take it further than we could ever, mm. ever dream. You know, for me, it's weird because, like, I think they'll look and go, my dad did this professionally. He was in, like, talked about God for a living. That could kind of get weird, right? Mm. And that's a big deal for me because it's like, you know, I can't be two things. Mm. I can't be one thing on the stage talking to all these people about how amazing God is mm. and be, you know, something else with my with my kids. It's, it's a That's in a real accountability in my mm. face because yeah. they're the ones who really see. And, th- and they would know if I was a fraud so fast. Right. And so right. it's always that's always in front of me. It's like I'm always carrying that. It's like, God, I don't want to be fake. I want to be real. So that's, that's a big deal for me. But I talk about that a lot with Lauren. I talk about just... To putting that in our girls, being really grateful, and when you when you're around people that are are that man, they're just beautiful people to be around mm, and and, yeah. ge- and have a generous spirit. I mean, when you're grateful, you have a generous. A lot of things come from that. You have a real generous spirit, and you just want to give, and you just want to give to people because you've been, you're so grateful for what's been given mm. to you. That's what comes to top of mind. Yeah, you. I love that. I think too, it's funny because it follows. We've talked about this a lot. I think it follows my story too with my career. I think I love hearing that about you. I know we've talked about this, John, just like, I really do feel like I was given a career. I wasn't that kid that grew up like going, I'm going to be the dude with the guitar doing the thing. Yeah. And so by the grace of God, when I think about what I do, I really feel like it was given to me. On my darkest days, yes, I can get entitled. I can get insecure. I can feel like I hustle. But any moments of clarity, it is a very, very, (laughs) I mean, and like you said, I mean, coming from, none of us came from music family. I mean, your dad obviously played, but. You know, none of us came from music families and music cities that were like, you know, so for me, it's all found, you know, it's just mailbox money as far as this gift of a career. Yeah. And so I think it helps me so much. I love hearing you say that because I think those experiences help inform how I want my children to feel too and to be recipients of things and to be open and grateful for what's given to them. Because thankfully, when I think about my career, that's one of my favorite things about it is that I can't say I did anything. I mean, I've, I've worked mm-hmm. hard and I've tried to be a good craft, right. you know, but I love that. And that's something I want my kids to see is that I wasn't like, now you look and you look, I busted my rear. And this, yeah. But like, no, like God is good and he is a provider and he has provided for me. He will provide for you and it causes gratitude. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thankful. I'm yeah. thankful I get to do this. I'm thankful. Attitude of gratitude. Yeah. You're welcome. We and, I was uh, for that. Yeah. But, but I think, I, I love hearing that about your story too, because I think you can't not operate out of that when you look back and go, this was not my plan. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you crazy. Yeah, it, it, there's no way you could even make, the, you, you can't write this stuff up. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. Back to what you said with that, a grateful spirit, right? It's not conducive on how your finances are right now. Mm-hmm. If you have a grateful spirit, it is, I mean, some of the most grateful people I've met, as you know, are, are some of the people who have the least. Yeah. And you just, it's so beautiful. And, and the people who have so much and are just an absolute drag to be around. Yeah. And it's just awful to be yeah. in their presence and they have so much. Yeah. That's why I'm like, gosh, I just want my girls to carry this grateful spirit of like, and yeah. that just, man, that just so contagious yeah. to people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think what you do, like you're saying, is you're kind of in that perfect balance of like, obviously, you've been insanely successful and uh, God has taken your music all over the world a thousand times over. 
but you, any given night you get up on stage and you, to sing the words that you're singing, to write the words that you're, you're writing 23 hours of the day when you're not on stage has got to look, you know, yes. has got to reflect that, yeah. you know, so it sort of sharpens yep. your own, you know, whatever that phrase is, uh, sharpens your own knife. Mm. What? <laughs> <laughs> like you got to sharpen your own knife. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean, guys? You know what I mean? Sounds like something like one of my granddads. When it comes down to it. What is it? Well, son, I'm going to tell you. And nobody else is going to sharpen that knife. <laughs> Thanks, Granny. I think so. What's um, my knife? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Can you play this out for Why me? Why would I sharpen I, your I'm knife? Taking, I'm taking this a lot of ways. Why I do bet we both you don't have mean. knives right now? What are we doing? What, what is happening? Uh, what do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Like, what is oh the thing gosh. that I know? I know. Goodness gracious. What comes to my heart immediately is that I knew that he loved me no matter what mm. happens, mm. no matter what, whatever decision I made. I know my dad was always, mm. always right there. And I could always come home no matter how far or whatever life takes me. I know I could always come home. My dad was, my dad was, was there and my dad had a passion for people to to know Jesus, to know the Lord. Mm. And my dad loved my mom. I think that would be amazing. Mm. You know? I love that. You know, I think that would be like if man, if you can do those Yeah. If you can if you can do mm. that and what else when <laughs> absolutely what else is there? Yeah, I love that. I love that we have these consistent questions at the end that we ask. That so far is such a consistent. Uh, I mean, every dad wants their kids to just know one thing: mm. that I love you. None of this other stuff matters. It doesn't. None of it matters. I'm going to add a question just real quick. <laughs> I can't smile. That <laughs> I'm sorry. For all the Seventh Seal fans out there, <laughs> yeah, just real quick. <laughs> New music. I mean, is that... Is, is that... Because we've kind of riled up the bass. I feel like... You know, is that... What are we talking All you wonderful, beautiful, kind people. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. If you have a second, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and write a review. Unless it's bad. Because that stuff really does matter. And please follow us on socials. You can find us everywhere at Dadville Podcast. Also, you can follow us each at Dave Barnes Music and at John McLaughlin to find out more about our music. Thanks for listening. Dadville.